Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. On this episode of Big Boys Don't Cry, we discuss the film Stranger Than Fiction. You don't have to have seen the film to enjoy the podcast, but if you do listen without having seen the film, just be aware that there may be plot spoilers. Enjoy. Hello. Hello. Oh, I'm loving that background. Yeah. Do you want to know who that guy is? I'll post a picture of this in the show notes. That guy is called Small Toasty. Man. He is the mascot of a minor league team, actually no longer major league affiliated, independent baseball team called the Rocky Mountain Vibes. And his name is That Toasty. is an incredible, incredible name for a team. But do you think he looks like Guy Fieri? Yeah, Guy Fieri. If Guy Fieri took the form of a delicious fireside snack, that is what he'd be. I thought I thought you'd appreciate that as last week I just gave you pure Guy Fieri, and now we're branching <laughs> out a little bit. I want I want variations on Guy Fieri. Yeah, that's the name of my next album. <laughs> Every song is a cover version of the Diners, Drive-ins, and Dives uh, theme tune, yeah. but in a different in a different genre. Well, as you know, I own this CD um, called Guy Fieri's Road Songs That Rock. And um, I thought I was thinking maybe I could just do covers of all the songs that are on that. One of which is "Low Rider" by War, which is very good. Oh, great! Um, it yeah. starts with um, "Slow Ride" by Foghat. I think it's Foghat. Slow yeah. ride, <laughs> take it easy, Guy Fieri. Exactly. Yeah, every single song on there is is a Guy Fieri classic. Yeah, precisely. I, I think I think you'd need to have a, an album where. You can sing Guy Fieri to to every single song yeah. as well. You can definitely do it to Lowrider, can't you? Oh my guy. He's a Guy Fieri. <laughs> take a little guy. Take a little guy. Take a little Guy Fieri. <laughs> See that works. What what else is on here then? I'm, oh no, I'm sorry. Slow ride is number is track eight. I was right. Um, Sweet home Alabama is on there. Um, sweet home Guy Fieri. <laughs> sweet hair Guy Fieri or sweet shirt Guy Fieri. Guy Fieri. Um, I think it's got to be um, taking care of business by Buck Montana Overdrive. You know that one? Uh, yes. Yep. Yeah. Um, oh, what could that 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 be taking care of the hot dogs yeah or mm. taking fear of business feeding guy fieri <laughs> maybe actually guy fieri overdrive would be a great name for a rock band <laughs> our next project has got to be called yeah guy fieri overdrive um then we've got the boys are back in town thin lizzy Fieri's uh, Fieri's back in town's a bit too easy then, <laughs> too easy it? yeah Fieri's eating chow hey I like that Fieri's eating chow and then last yeah, one for, Wh- when, he, when he goes to New England yeah get some, get some chowder um, White Zombie featuring Iggy Pop Black Sunshine I don't know that one <laughs> I don't know it either, but I do love both those artists. Um, so you can you can sleep on it. I'll give you time. 
Yeah, I'll think on that. Now I'm just thinking of white zombies more human than human, which is more guy than Fieri. <laughs> which is an all-time classic, I might add. Absolute tune and a half. Yep. Um, I do love a bit of, of white zombie slash Rob Zombie. Yep. Rob Zombie is a zombie. And he's white. <laughs> yes, he is a zombie. Um, he's good. Anyway, he's a very he's a very fascinating man, as old Rob Zombie. He is, Sorry. yeah. I've never like really got massively into his work, but I appreciate it. You know, he makes truly horrible uh, horror movies, and I mean horrible, not as a negative necessarily. They're just incredibly grim. Um, I think I saw like- about. Oh yeah, like when I was at school, we got hold of a VCD of House of a Thousand Corpses, and it oh, was yep. over two yeah. discs, and only the first disc worked. So I've seen the first half of House <laughs> seen of a Thousand first Corpses. Half of <laughs> um, and yeah, the Devil's Rejects, um, uh, and then um, he did the Halloween remake from about a decade ago as well. Oh yeah, as him. Um, you know what he's doing next? He's doing a reboot of the Monsters. What? That's ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> That's him, which obviously really fits because the car in the monsters was was Dracula, was uh, the Dracula, yeah. and then that is his his most iconic song. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm extremely psyched to see what he can do with the monsters. Um, but yeah, and then obviously he keeps making very great music um, and has done consistently for for decades now. And he has a very good beard. He does, and a very good first name. Of course, one that we well. appreciate on this podcast. Yeah, everyone called Rob or Robert is is great. We, we've established this already. Yeah, all good. Every single one. Every every single one of them. Um. Anyway, right. So, uh, this week we talked about a movie called Stranger Than Fiction as our last movie in um in Emma Thompson <laughs> Emma, month. Emma Thompson month. So we had Sandloon to Emma Thompson. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Thompson Gust? That doesn't work, does it? August? No, not not quite, not quite. Um, it does mean that five of our months this year have been themed. Yeah, which I think is it's actually a, very a good thing. Heavy year. Yeah, I agree. I agree because obviously we've still got Halloween and um, Christmas to go, and of course we've got. Um, I, what have we called it? It's like Swash Timber. Swash Swash Timber. That's right. <laughs> um which is which is going to be fun um but yeah emma thompson month and we've ended it on a highbrow note with a very interesting movie i like that not just a high note but a highbrow note a highbrow note exactly how high Um, is your brow (laughs) how high is your brow um so um so have you have you seen Stranger Than Fiction before? Yes, I in fact used to own this film on DVD, and I know you you are a man who's kept all your DVDs um, in case I don't know you want to form some kind of archive or build a fort out of them or whatever. <laughs> I got rid of all my DVDs a while ago, and I, I do kind of regret that decision. Um, but I think this one fetched upwards of three pounds on whatever will take your DVDs away from you in a box service that we used when we moved house. Um, but it was one that was in there and i i used to watch it quite regularly i guess regularly enough in terms of once or once a year maybe um yeah i I bought it i remember in exeter i think around the time maybe we were doing our masters year or maybe the year before um so it came out in 2006 i think i just saw the dvd saw will ferrell emma thompson looks like a nice sort of metafictional plot i'm an english student of course i'm going to go for that 
Um, but I watched it and I really enjoyed it the first time. And it's a film I have returned to, although I hadn't seen it since we obviously got rid of our DVDs a few years ago. So it was actually really, really nice to return to it. But um, you'd seen it before. Yes. Yeah. No, um, I'm, I'm glad to know that you, you know, you really love this movie um, because I really love it as well. I've not seen it in a fair few years myself. Um, I do have the DVD, um, but but haven't watched it in a while. Did you get it um, out to, to watch it? No, I was too lazy. This one isn't one that I because when because I as as Paddy can attest, I spent a long time living in a very very small house with no storage. Um, so a lot of my DVDs, rather than in boxes, were in a one of those CD those metal CD box things where you can fit like five hundred discs in. Um, and so, designed only yeah. for the serious collector. Yeah, well, for people like me who have no space, but obviously now I have space. But um, yeah, that that box is somewhere, and I don't quite know where at the moment. So, um, but even if you had it, there's 500 discs in there, unless you know that you had a really foolproof system. I guess you. Probably I did. did. Uh, yeah, I did. Well, the Gordon Decimal System. <laughs> the Gordon Decimal System. Um, welcome to Rob explains his DVD storage cast, everybody. It is alphabetical by row, but each row is its own kind of uh, thing. So it could be movies in one, TV shows in another, games in a third, miscellaneous in a fourth, for instance. Um, so this would have been alphabetically in S in the first row right. for Stranger Than Fiction. You didn't have any, any kind of subcategorization or room for like... Yeah, enough Will Ferrell films to make a whole row of those or something. No, I, I think there was some that I kept together. Horror films budget below $500,000. I bet you, you could make a whole <laughs> exactly. row of those. I could definitely do that. Um, yeah, I think sort of box sets of movies stay together. So I remember I had like a six disc box set of black and white horrors from the fifties. Um, and they all, they all stay together. So it was things like, um, the thing from another world, um, stuff like that. And that, that all stayed in one place. Um, but generally, yeah, they, they'd all, um, be in alphabetical order. I'm an alphabetical man. That's how I like it. That's how I like it too. Um, but, but yes, but I do, I, I, I really like this movie and it's been a long time since I've seen it. So I was going into it thinking, you know, I'm getting older. My brain cells are fading. Now I just like explosions and people swearing. Am I going to enjoy this? This meta I want to see movie? Will Ferrell get his head um, cut off. You're thinking. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, I was thinking, mm, Will Ferrell. I mean, is this going to be as good as Holmes and Watson? <laughs> no, which I've still not seen, seen but I, I, I desperately <laughs> want to watch. Um, but for me, at least, I, I loved rewatching this, and I think it was it was absolutely fantastic. Still, I think it's a very smart, very emotionally tactful, intelligent, funny, but also dramatic yeah. uh, movie <laughs> for pretentious assholes. But not and that ultimately. We'll get right, yeah, right to the point. We can talk. I could talk about this film all day, but I think ultimately, you hit the nail on the head there. Saying it, it's a little bit pretentious and it's meta and whatever else, but it doesn't really go too far with it. I, you know, I feel like it's the perfect level of intelligent because it is smart and it does make you think, and there are layers to it. But ultimately, it has a really, really nice, lovely, cushy ending. And it gives you a sort of really nice love story wrapped up in it, really. And the love story, 
um, and sort of his story and his life is what it's really about. It's not. It doesn't come across as trying to make some kind of big, bleak philosophical point. It's like here's a guy's life and now he's happy. You know. Yeah, I I think it. You're right. It's got that kind of grounding, which I think might be necessary for an idea that's as meta and abstract as this. Um, and I think. If you compare this to the other movies from the same time where a mainly slapstick comedic actor did a more serious film, you've got Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind, you've got Punch Drunk Love, um, and then you've got this. And this is easily the most accessible of the three, I'd say, to uh, an, a normie, a normal human being. Yeah. Um, even though where, that person would think they, they should like punch drunk love and a lot of people probably pretend to like punch drunk love but think that like stranger than fiction is trying too hard punch drunk love is trying way too hard you can listen yeah, to yeah, our this, episode all about that but. yeah listen listen to our shit on punch drunk love <laughs> um for, for an hour um the, the, but this movie it's much more effortless um in its um in its approach and although it's its story could be challenging i think it manages to avoid some of the issues that could be could arise from it so i mean you know if we're going to continue that comparison between the three films punch drunk love story should have been the most straightforward to navigate and it you know if if you look at it from a story perspective it is but where it comes where it becomes challenging is in its bullshit navel gazing bollocks (laughs) bollocks <laughs> and um, it's extremely irritating score and it's extremely irritating score eternal sunshine has a more abstract idea around it where it's this memory repression and everything like that but a mm. lot of the challenge there doesn't necessarily come from the plot i mean it's a sci-fi movie plot effectively yeah um but instead in the way that you navigate that memory loss and you are wrapped up in the confusion deliberately by the way that the film approaches it um whereas this is by far the most complex idea which is this man realizes that he is a fictional character who is somehow alive and must both navigate his own complex life and changes in his own life alongside trying to find the author of his own life yeah um which is complex but the reason that it feels simple is that it doesn't at any point feel the need to explain that to you. It's just there. That's just how it is. And everything happens within the confines of that. And it's telling a story within that confine. That's almost like the kind of overarching box that it fits in, isn't it? Whereas all those other films sort of feel the need to sort of try and pretend that they're explaining it to you, but maybe you don't get it. Whereas this, this film is, it's actually quite straightforward, really. Yeah, yeah. This movie is much more straightforward in its approach in that... Yeah, that's the central gimmick almost. That's the gimmick of the movie. But what drives the plot is two very simple things. Is one, you want to see Maggie Gyllenhaal and Will Ferrell fall in love. Yeah. And two, he's been given this time limit on he's going to die at some point because the narrator has told him so. Um, and so you've got those two driving elements of the plot, um, which makes it simple. Those are things that people can quite easily grasp. Um, is I don't want to die. I want to fall in love with a baker. The two most obvious wants of any human being. Yep. Um, 
and and so you know that's what the reason i bake (laughs) exactly that's the reason paddy bakes he wants will ferrell to come in and audit him and fall in love with him um any day now oh i would love for will ferrell to audit me (laughs) but it would be great um but but yeah just not not like from a tax point of view i mean like to come into my house and do one of those like home edit shows you know what i mean i'd like will ferrell to sort of queer eye me yeah you know to come into my house and be like you own this shirt what are you doing (laughs) but in a nice way yeah yeah you do it in a in a a constructive and uplifting way way. um but um but yeah i think you know that that's what really helps this movie clarify its goals is that it's very simple in what is going on um even though the actual ideas around the movie are complex and i think that was a really intelligent decision for them to make because it does allow the player uh, allow the player allow the the viewer to grasp it really easily and really tightly and then that propels them through the weirdness which they never explain you know they 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 could have tried to explain it around like a magic typewriter or um i don't know a, a vr headset gone wrong or something like that and they could have put you thought maybe they might twist they might do that with something to do with his watch. Yeah, then, yeah. And that's always kind of hanging over it because it says it's a story about a man and his wristwatch. And you're like, oh, okay, it's some sci-fi shit to do with the magic watch. But it's not that, no, which is no. great. Um, and, it, and it's never explained. And I think that really works in its favour. It's like, who gives a shit why this has happened? What's important is Will Ferrell doesn't want to die and he wants to marry Baker Maggie Gyllenhaal. Yeah. And that's life. We can't explain this shit. We can't explain why we're here, can we? No, no, exactly. We can't explain exactly. why we do or do, don't want to die. You know, it's it's just there. Yes, yeah, precisely. And um, and this this really taps into that in a really successful way. And of course, something that that truly helps with that is the is the performances as well. Um, where God, do I love the performances in this movie and the cast in general. Um, every single person on this cast is brilliant yeah and does a great job yeah and you you can't really imagine anybody else as anyone else in this can you i was thinking like who could replace will ferrell in this film but you can't because he's got the and, and and i'm kind of disappointed that we didn't get more will ferrell doing comedy dramas after this yes because i think this is you know, I think Jim Carrey's performances in 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 um, in things like The Truman Show and uh, Eternal Sunshine are fantastic, and I think he really grasps that comedy drama element really well. Um, less so Adam Sandler in Punch Drunk Love, but I think he still managed it pretty well in that movie. I think I Sandler think could have done Stranger I, Than Fiction. You think he could have? I don't think he's got the pathetic quality that Stranger Stranger Than Fiction required. I think there's something inherently obnoxious about Adam Sandler, and I don't mean that in a bad way. I think, but a lot of people think that about Will Ferrell. My wife like refuses to watch anything with Will Ferrell in because she thinks he's just an obnoxious goon. <laughs> but he's not. He, there's something pathetic. Although I watched this without her, and then she said, "What film are you doing this week?" I said, "Doing Stranger Than Fiction." She's like, "Oh, I want to watch that." And I was like, "It's got Will Ferrell in it," and then she made a face. <laughs> so I was right. But but the the thing that I think that propels Will Ferrell's performances is. He has this pathetic quality, which I think comes across in a lot of his performances. You know, um, you've got, um, you know, if, if you think about films like Anchorman, you know, Ron Burgundy is this person who tries really hard to appear um, like an alpha male almost, but but struggles 
um, mm. to do that. And there's this tenderness and this insecurity around his character, which um, which is always there. Um, Buddy the Elf as well, of course, the, the other yep. iconic comedy drama of, of his time. Um, or, or Step Brothers, for instance, about two incredibly pathetic... Have you seen Step Brothers? No, I've never seen that. It's him and John C. Wright, yeah. isn't it? <laughs> it's very, I love. It's very, very funny if you want something quite stupid. It's very good. Um, or um, The Other Guys is another one where it's the, that's a send-up of, of buddy cop movies. Um, and so I, I think at least a lot of his slapstick comedy comes from the pathetic and from the insecure um which i think really works in his favor in movies like this where his character is insecure and is um terrified by what's going on and awkward around other people and it's a great performance from him and i think it's 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 really really good um because the only other the only other one i can think of that kind of fitted this and i've not seen it is everything must go mm, i've not seen that either um, have i seen that where it, he sells everything that he owns in a car boot sale. Don't think I have seen that. Um, um, with um, it's got um, Rebecca Hall as well, who's who's wonderful. I think she's she's a truly underrated actress. Um, but yeah, I, I've heard good things about it, and that's kind of got a similar dramatic movie with a comedic edge to it. But he it's based on a Raymond Carver story. Oh, is it? Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, I've not I've not even heard of this. This looks great. Yeah, yeah, well I've I've heard I've heard really good things about it. Um but I haven't seen it myself. Um right, This is from 2010. So yeah, Stranger Than Fiction, 2006. Will Ferrell gets his big I'm I'm a I'm a serious man um film and then you think what's what's he going to do next? He follows it up with Talladega Nights, The Ballad of Ricky Bobby. <laughs> the Ballad of Ricky Bobby. Exactly. <laughs> and then Blades of Glory. <laughs> which um i've not seen that one ricky bobby is very very funny that is actually quite a funny film have you seen have you seen yeah yeah. um talladega nights i think i started watching and had to turn it off it's really stupid it was not so great um i don't i kind of have a soft spot for it because i think i saw it yeah it came out around the time we started university and i think i saw it around that time but right okay um and then yeah semi-pro which I'm surprised you've not seen. That's a sports. No, I've not seen that. He, he does. He does. Um, the sports. He does man. sports. Um, and then, um, yeah, Step Brothers. Then uh, the other guys. I think is the timeline. Um, before, of course, doing Mega Mind. Which are you a fan of Mega Mind? I've not seen it. No, oh, okay. I, I know what it is. There are lots of memes. Yeah, he. It's um. They're, they're pretty funny. It's a pretty funny movie, Mega Mind. And then you've got um. Obviously kind of been forgotten about because the minion thing what's it called despicable me despicable me yeah, yeah. Which, you know fuck minions i'm just gonna say that now <laughs> despicable me one good film despicable me two okay but the minion stuff is the worst part about it it's got it's I, a brilliant concept it's good the, the you're following the villain story and it's very very funny but yeah the minion stuff really irritating see i really really love despicable me too i think i like that even slightly more than the first one and I think in both movies, the minions serve their purpose really well as this little bit of slapstick humour alongside yeah. it. And and a, a villain having useless million, minions is a, is a funny thing in itself. Yeah. But, but then when the minions got their own movie, I don't know if you've seen the minions. No, movie. I haven't seen it. My wife watched it on a plane while I was reading a book. 
<laughs> that's the most you thing I've ever heard in my life. Watch a movie full of joy. Get out. I'm going to read my book in so silence. Probably reading Infinite Jest or The Road or something. <laughs> Uh, the 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 um, novelization of Talladega Nights. Yeah. <laughs> um. No, actually, I remember what book I was reading. I was reading A Confederacy of Dancers, which is an astoundingly funny book. Is Have it, you read it? Because no, I've not. You absolutely should read it. It's hilarious. Is it though, or is it a book? I mean, it is a books it is a book. Funny. Books are never <laughs> funny. When was the last time you read a funny book? Probably on that plane. <laughs> Oh, how droll. He's made a joke. Actually, no, to be fair, to be fair, to be fair, books can be funny. I've I've recently read um, Limmy's autobiography. Oh, I would um, read that. And that's that's very, very good. Um, obviously, it's very uh, touching as well at the same time. Um, he's had a very interesting life. Yeah. But yeah, the, the bits in that that are funny are, are very, very funny. So, Did yeah, you um, funny. read his previous one, Daft Wee Stories? No, that's on my wish list to get, actually. Get the audiobook, if you can, because it's him reading it. And some of those ah. I was crying with laughter at. So good. You know what Limmy does now? He's a Twitch man. Yeah, he's a video game streamer. He plays video games on the internet, and people watch him and give him money to do it, which is great. I'm very happy for him. Yeah, yeah, no. he's. I've, I've, I, I haven't caught any of his live uh, streams, but I've watched some highlights, and um, yeah, they are very funny. Um, it's, uh, yeah, it's great. So shout out to Limmy's Twitch streaming. Extremely funny. Well done, Limmy. I like your books. I don't <laughs> yes. watch the Twitches or the TikToks, so I don't know about that side of your work. I cannot yeah, comment. But it is, yeah, he, he's very funny and he plays some, plays some good games that I like. Like, um, there's a, there's a, a, a horror game called Dead by Daylight, which is like a, an asymmetrical multiplayer game where hmm. you've got, the people being hunted by the serial killer and the serial killer and so it's a great idea for a for a for a multiplayer game and he plays quite a lot of that and that's that's very funny um yeah so uh yeah that's that's a very a very good and very interesting game um but anyway how how on earth did we get onto that from stranger than fiction i have no idea well let's segue back in with saying talking about books this film has got the word this fiction in the title. It's kind of about books. And yeah. it is about it is about books. Um so Emma Thompson is great as Karen Eiffel. Yeah. The good the, name. the 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 um author who writes these novels which are just incredibly sad and everyone dies. Um, she only writes tragedies. She only writes tragedies. Um but she's really good. She's got this kind of um artistic sort of pompous um way around her where writing isn't just about sitting down and writing it's about finding these moments of inspiration that can come from anywhere um and of you know and 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 strange in the fiction can kind of be seen as this meta commentary on on the notion of writing as well can't it really there's there's this kind of underlying current too um but i think it it does tap into the the idea of the author doesn't it quite well this movie yeah definitely but it doesn't overdo it either i think because because yeah she's a she's a bit annoying you're not rooting for her but at the same time you don't hate her either she's not really a hateful figure no one in this film is the villain it's a kind of it's a bit more complex than that yeah 100 percent. and I, yeah i you know she she's got this kind of pretentious author thing going on but also 
she's very sympathetic to the world around her and you know in the end spoiler alert for the end of this movie if you didn't want this spoiled you should have listened to paddy sing at the beginning <laughs> i'm giving you an extra extra warning here at the end she she decides to go against what would be her masterpiece if she did kill him and instead just writes that he gets hurt um and it ends up being a fine book yeah not a masterpiece but she can't stomach the tragedy that she creates when it might actually have an impact on the real world yeah and the end um, of it she says <clears throat> she's having a conversation with dustin hoffman who is the the clever professor man who has a big clever professor man office full of books which is the office and the job that i want um but it's he he tells her that if if he dies at the end it's a masterpiece if he doesn't it's just like okay and she's like yeah maybe i'm okay i'm fine with it being just okay and that's actually like a big kind of that's a big thrust of the film isn't it as well it's like actually sometimes you know it's just okay and life is just okay and that's kind of how it is yeah exactly i i think that's a really nice you know through road through the movie is finding comfort and finding happiness is enough it doesn't have to be you know perfection it doesn't have to be completely structured and 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 working your way through this plan yeah um and in, and instead you've got this you know you can find happiness in things and you can pursue what you want to do and it doesn't have to be a grandiose plan it can be learning how to play guitar it can be rather than going to law school and changing the world that way um setting up a bakery yeah. and making a difference making nice cookies. in that way um which which brings me on to Maggie Gyllenhaal who is wonderful in this movie yeah really good um and you you believe their romance don't you even though it seems kind of unlikely it's a sort of opposites attract thing the auditor yeah the tax man who gets booed as he goes into the shop falling in love with the the radical socialist who's yeah who he's auditing that seems kind of dumb on the surface on paper but it really really works quite well i think and you believe their romance and it's cozy isn't it their romance is cozy it's not made up of grand gestures it's not trying to say a bunch of things it's just like this is nice and cozy and here it is for you yeah yeah exactly you know it um it isn't um it isn't full of grandiose stuff like you'd see in your usual rom-com um it gets as far as him bringing her several bags of flour to make a bad joke about i brought you flowers i think um, that's very funny. which is which is very funny and very cute um, i wish someone then, would bring me flowers like that. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh she bakes him some cookies and that and that's as far as you get in this um that, that that's as far as you get in 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 this movie when it comes to these big gestures she does force him to drink milk with cookies though and i'm like that is for five-year-olds and i hate milk so that scene grossed me out i mean you you would say that because you you hate milk but milk and cookies is is wonderful and quintessentially american yeah over here you have tea yeah or tea or and dry hobnobs <laughs> fuck hobnobs i hate hobnobs so much <laughs> digestives are good you know there's lots of there's so many good biscuits out there we don't need hobnobs we've progressed past the need for hobnobs <laughs> you know what's good though what milk and cookies a, 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 a home-baked delicious cookie with a nice glass of milk oh no give me hot coffee with that cookie please 
leave the milk out bit so it gets all warm and stanky and then drink it and leave a nice milk mustache warm milk i don't know which is worse actually warm milk or like cold milk warm milk is obviously worse (laughs) Sometimes my son spills this comes his from milk, milk on me, and it's like genuinely more disgusting to me than his like poos and wheeze. <laughs> I guess because it doesn't happen very often. You're dealing with the poo and the wee all the time. Yeah, you get used to the routine, don't you? Um, th- this is, of course, a second movie where where Will Ferrell drinks milk um, after Anchorman, where he drinks a lot of milk and proclaims milk was a bad choice. Oh yes, yeah. Um, in, a, in an iconic cinematic scene he drinks your milkshake um, <laughs> they should have had will ferrell in <laughs> there will be blood he'd be far better than um than method actor mcgee what's his name paul chin, chin man what's his the chin chin dude daniel chin day dude lewis daniel day daniel, daniel day chin. chin lewis <laughs> yeah um he is all chin he is all chin the chin gets has earned at least one Oscar in its own right. Um, <laughs> but yeah, imagine Will Ferrell as Daniel Day-Lewis. I think he'd be great. In, yeah, He's an oil man. But they, he, he would do quite well in the Paul Dano role, because like mm. I said, he's got that kind of slightly pathetic quality, and Paul Dano is the most pathetic actor in Hollywood. He's a puppy dog. <laughs> he's a little... Again, I don't mean that in a bad no. way. No. He's, he's a little puppy dog man. Everyone likes puppies. Um, which, um, have you ever seen the movie Prisoners? No. It is a very good Paul Dano performance. It's a a movie from uh, June, future June director Denis Villeneuve. Oh, okay. Um, Your main man. About my, my main man. I mean, I do, I do love him. Um, and um, yeah, it's, it's extremely good. Um, basically, these uh, kids, have, kids have been going missing in this small town. And um, and uh, Jake Gyllenhaal, in fact, is uh, the is a detective who's who's um, working the case. All right. Um, and Hugh Jackman is uh, the uh, the father of one of these girls, and it's kind of this um, survivalist community. And so it's all about this friction of this father trying to go and find um, the the person who's kidnapped his daughter instead of. Um, supporting the police with the investigation it's all about you know survivalist instincts uh that that kind of ideology toxic masculinity all of that mm. um and also you know perceptions of outsiders in in small town communities and paul dano is this outsider character um and it's a very interesting very harrowing movie but it's oh it's, it's bloody brilliant it didn't didn't win any oscars and i don't know why it didn't win any oscars because it's truly fantastic hmm. um and paul dano is is brilliant in it when, and obviously when did it come out uh i think it was about 2014 ish hmm. so yeah a fair few years ago now um it was before i think it was his first um it was before he did things like sicario and arrival um right so it was sort of before his massive break into big old sci-fi stuff um but um but yeah it's it's very very good and i i highly recommend it and i just wish that paul dano was going to be in june yeah that would have been great you could see him in the sting underpants couldn't oh you? yeah definitely he'd love that he'd be he'd be great june does look really or, good though we've talked about as, it a lot but i'm excited or as the duke you could have paul dano as the handsome duke yeah instead of uh instead of oscar isaac he could do that 
even though <laughs> Timothy Chalamet look roughly the same age, even though they're <laughs> not. But they're both they're both weedy. You could imagine them being being father and son, couldn't yeah. you? Yeah, you just so have to get Paul Dano to grow a beard, and then you're. Then I can't you're imagine away. Oscar Isaac as being being um, Timothy Chalamet's dad because Oscar Isaac is a is a handsome, rugged, jaw beast. I know. And then you've got Timothy Chalamet, the 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 fairy who escaped the woods. <laughs> Yeah, the stick insect goth, <laughs> and I mean that as a compliment. Yeah, exactly. I think he's a good actor. He's, he, he is a, he is a good actor, isn't he? He's very good. But yeah, um, I'm not sure how I feel about. I'm I'm intrigued to see how he's going to handle being Paul Atreides, because um, you know we've got Carl McLaughlin as the previous one, who you know, in spite of the many flaws of that movie, I do like him. He's got the charisma for it. And I'm not sure I'm, it's the one thing I'm skeptical about, about, um, about yep. June is, is, is Timothy Chalamet, the true, a truly excellent choice for, for Paul Atreides. In the trailer, I think he looks good in the like 10 seconds you can see him. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm just, I don't know whether he's got the, the energy the right energy for it but we'll see we'll see big big duke energy <laughs> exactly big duke energy um so um anyway right what, what, what else have you got to say about stranger than fiction then um i i like it's a very cleverly crafted movie isn't it um i yeah. think the moment that that phone rings about two-thirds of the way through feels like this culmination of the tension that's been building the entire film where yeah. you've got these two separate stories so you've got the story of um of will ferrell and you've got the story of the the author emma thompson's author and when they it's almost like this huge moment of clarity, isn't it? The moment that phone rings and it sort of just goes silent, and you're like, "Oh wow, okay, these movie, these these two stories are going to connect." It's like a um, scene from a thriller. Yeah, you're a bit it's, on it's, edge. It's, it's point, truly brilliant, and you, I think this movie is very unexpected as well. I remember the first time I saw it. A lot of the time with films, you kind of know what's going to happen um, before you go in. Um, and, and, and even, even with movies that, that claim not to be, you can often kind of second guess them, but this is a film where I really don't think you can do that. Um, it's, it's got these kind of disparate elements that, that coalesce and, and form this unique whole. Um, and because of that, you can never really quite like you, you might be able to guess, okay, this is going to have a happy ending, but how it reaches that point you you don't really know on your first watch do you no ab- absolutely not and that's a really really good thing but at the same time it's not overly plot driven it's more about the concept and the characters i think and you're happy to watch it either way right yeah yeah i think um i i think it is it is character driven but i think i i, I would say that i think you are fully engaged in the plot you're engaged in can will ferrell survive can can he find happiness yeah. Um I th- I think when you've got core concepts like that it's hard not to be engaged in the plot and And will he learn to play the guitar? Will he learn to play the guitar? Um but he's kind of this passenger on this journey and we often talk about um passive protagonists as a bad thing but this is an example where his agency is deliberately stripped away from him and that's the whole point. 
Um, and he kind of gains that agency himself over the course of the movie. And I think the way that they did that was very clever. Yeah, but th- that's what's really good about it, actually, now that you point that out. I didn't even necessarily really occur to me to think he has no agency because you feel like he is actively struggling against that force the whole film. And that's how you write a good protagonist, right? Yeah, exactly, exactly. He he is... Um, he A good protagonist is the ticking gun under the table <laughs> to combine multiple yeah. writing metaphors into one. Um, Chekhov's he, ticking gun under the table. <laughs> <laughs> um, and um, But yeah, I think, you know, he, he is this passive person. You literally have a voiceover that tells you what he's doing and he's stuck in this routine. But what happens, like you said, over the course of the film, he's, he struggles and he goes off piece and he even dictates what his fate should be to the author of his story yeah so he has the ultimate agency in the end and that's why the end is so satisfying yes yeah although he obviously doesn't get his wish um he has established himself as this fully formed noble human being and it's it's yeah it's so well done it's so well crafted and i I love that this movie that could have been a disaster if handled by the wrong director, um, Paul Thomas Anderson's <laughs> Stranger Than Fiction would be a nightmare. Yeah, um, God. <laughs> in- it wouldn't have a great score by the band Spoon. Yeah. Um, did you appreciate Spoonie. the music? I did enjoy the music. I didn't look up who did it, but I did think, oh, this is a very good soundtrack. Yeah. Did you recognize the song at the beginning? It didn't have the singing on it. Yeah, That's, no, no. It was yeah, the way we get by um, it's, um, which was yeah. on the OC, and it was also on that film, The Puffy Chair. Have you seen that? No, I haven't. I've been meaning to watch it for years and uh, years and years. It's one of those iconic mumblecore movies, isn't it? The Puffy Chair. Yeah, it's very original mumblecore. I had the DVD of that as well. It's good. You, you got rid of all your good DVDs. I know. I regret it. What's going to happen? Well, I do and I don't, because even now without them, my house is overflowing with crap. But that's what happens <laughs> when you have children. But. What's going to happen when... Um, when netflix gets bought by disney and disney closes it and you can only watch disney movies oh, and they and i they think take, i'll be okay with that they, as long as the black cauldron and oliver and company are on there i'll be fine but they're gonna take they take all the dangerous bits out of the black cauldron because that's what disney does <laughs> well so it's literally just a boy and a pig wandering through a forest yeah or well, happy music plays yeah uh. um <laughs> did you see there's been a new trailer for spider-man that came out so no. they're doing a new Spider-Man movie. It's the third one with 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 young Tom Holland, not Tom Hollander. I would have loved to have seen Tom Hollander no. be Spider-Man. That would I would pay great. money for that. Um, but um, in fact, there's there's probably a, a sketch you could write about that where they bring in Tom Hollander and they're like, "We'd like you to be Spider-Man." <laughs> so, okay. Yeah. Um, Just come off the set of Rev. He's got his collar on. <laughs> exactly. Um, but um, but yeah, uh, this one they've taken. Um, What's it called? The Spider-Verse, the animated one that was great. Oh, Into the Spider- Into the Spider-Verse. Spider-verse. So they've yeah. taken that idea, but instead of having um, Miles Morales, they've just made it three white Spider-Men. So they've got um, Andrew Garfield and Tobey Maguire back, and oh, okay. there's three Spider-Men, um, but no no non-white Spider-Men, because I don't think they, they'd be scared about what that would do in China. So they don't want to do that. <laughs> can't can't right, do that yeah. we're disney we can't have we can't we can't have anything like that it might annoy people because we're 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 centralist we're 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 centrist cucks. centrist dad <laughs> centrist dad so the centrist dad company 
Disney. Um, Walt where... Disney, the original centrist dad. <laughs> um, but yeah, they, they, they've released the trailer and it looks good. But literally, when I was watching it, all I was thinking was, I mean, it's great that, that obviously Toby Maguire is going to be back and they've got Alfred Molina back as, as Dr. Octopus and Willem Dafoe as, as the Green Goblin. But I could literally just go and watch those movies again and not have to deal with the rest of the nonsense. Yeah. Is this the Space Jam 2 of the Spider-Man franchise? <laughs> Maybe. No, I'm sure people are going to love it because people love every single one of these six out of ten Marvel movies that come out <laughs> where nothing interesting happens. There's no stakes. <laughs> Um, I'm very no, glad I don't have to see these films. Yeah, they're so boring. They've best every single one is boring. Like I was thinking about this the other day. Is if it hasn't got Chad Kroger singing about being a hero <laughs> on the soundtrack, I don't want to see it. Yeah, they need to. They need to bring Chad Kroger and the guy from Saliva back to do the soundtrack again. Um, but um, I, I was thinking about this the other day, and Marvel movies. I wouldn't say any of the Marvel movies I've seen since Disney started doing them have been a below five out of ten. And I'd say that only one of them has been above a seven out of ten. They're just so middle of the road. They have Black Panther. So I was gonna say Guardians of the Galaxy because oh, okay. Black yeah. Black Panther I, I, I did enjoy. I think it's very good. But I give it a seven. One, I yeah, really liked it. Yeah. But yeah, I think you're right, it was seven. Uh but once again, Marvel's got into this habit of create of using these because they can't have their heroes say anything poignant because if they say something poignant it poignant it disturbs the status quo and if they disturb the status quo then they can't make 700 more movies so they'd maybe be only able to make like 70 instead of 700 <laughs> exactly and they need wouldn't to wouldn't that this, be a shame for their they, shareholders they, they need to yeah they need to keep the shareholders happy for as long as possible and they want to make sure that all of their fans are completely happy with nothing of interest and note happening so ah oh, thanos has killed 50 percent of the world's population well we better write that back in um you know they'll undo all of that it's going to be fine um uh, but but black panther i think the one issue there is killmonger is a wonderful villain yeah but he's not really a villain is he um and the the reason that they say that he's a villain in that movie is oh but he's using violence to get his his means that's not good excuse me can i just point out how many people iron man has killed (laughs) can i point out that captain america stopped the nazis by throwing a shield at them Uh, these films are very violent just in general violence is inherent to superheroes so by having a villain where you say, oh, but they're using violence to solve their, their problems, that's not good. It's like, no, violence is, is, is a part of superheroes. And like, you can do something like Batman. Batman doesn't kill anybody. You know, that's his one rule. He's too he'll, sad. He'll beat people up, He's but he a won't sad kill Batman. them. Um, and that's fine. And that, that can be that divisional thing, but there's no such thing for, for Captain America. There's no such thing for, for, um, for, for Black Panther or, or the Guardians of the Galaxy. They're yeah. killing people all over the place. So how can you have that division? And that's something that's, that's constantly happened in these is they can't deliver interesting villains that want to enact change without there being some kind of shift in the status quo and they can't handle a status quo shift which is why inherently every single marvel movie 
is so unsatisfying. It's left to films like Joker to tell us that we live in a society. Yeah, exactly. You know, and I would rather I'd rather watch Joker a hundred times than watch a Marvel movie because Joker genuinely the Marxist movie of twenty (laughs) nineteen, all about inequalities in our in our social system in capitalism. That's actually the 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 big point of it. uh, or, or you know, I'd, I'd rather watch uh, the Suicide Squad, the recent James Gunn Suicide Squad movie, which is very, very. Oh, fun. Yeah, you had good things to say about that, I recall. Yeah, it's it's great, really worth watching. Um, I'd rather watch something like that where they take some risks, you know, than watch something that's just just the same thing over and over again. So, if, if this was a Marvel character, if strange, if it was Stranger Than Fiction, and it was Captain America, who, I. Are you there? Hello, can you hear me? We are currently experiencing technical problems. Please sit by. We are currently experiencing technical problems. Please sit by. You were shitting on Marvel. I was shitting on Marvel, which is something I do a bit too often. I just guess it's all over Twitter all the time. It's all people talk about. It's like, your movies are so boring. Watch something interesting like Stranger Than Fiction. Can you imagine if Stranger Than Fiction was about a Marvel character and it's like, uh, he's going to be fine in two days. Yeah. (laughs) Nothing's (laughs) going to change for 700 movies. Um yeah, it wouldn't work. It, you need those stakes. It wouldn't work because the person at the other end, the Emma Thompson character, would be like a cover artist who hadn't been credited for their work and who hadn't been paid anything. So it'd be about their journey and the character's journey, and they'd never actually. Yeah, meet. it would. It would be about someone who has to rely on a charity to actually get paid by the company that's making billions off their creations. Um, yeah, yeah. I read a very interesting piece in the Guardian actually recently about how badly companies like dc and marvel completely fuck over the people who create their 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 um their characters and how they fuck over the writers of comics to this day um and all of it goes into Mm -hmm. disney shareholders that's where that's where it goes goes into the pockets of the ceos goes into the pockets of the execs goes into the pockets of the big old shareholders yeah um so screw you screw all of you go and buy some independent comics instead yes please do some of them are good some of them are literally capital G good comics. Yeah, um, <laughs> which you should go, which you should go and buy. Yes, um, you really should. But yeah, you, but you're right. Why are people th- this kind of film? I don't think this film has is really held up. I don't think people talk about this film anymore. And this is the kind of there aren't enough films like this, are there? And it's it's no, a shame. No, exactly. You know, so I'm really glad that we're talking about this film and giving it a bit of airtime because it's it's really good and it's more interesting than most of the guff that's out there. Yeah, you know, you this is a movie that takes a lot of risks and is very interesting and it it's challenging but it's still cohesive and I find that a lot of a lot of films don't do that. And I think horror is one of the few genres of film where you do still get that. Even even when you're looking at like smaller budget dramas and comedies because so much of it is so centered around streaming services there's not as many risks and it's it's a shame i'd i'd love to see more people putting putting their effort and um, you know and i'm not talking about the filmmakers here because they're dictated entirely by who's funding them but you know the the production companies these big companies i'd love to see 
more of them put put effort into films like this like like how much money did did dc did warner brothers spend on the snyder cut of justice league which fair enough you know i i i'm glad that he's been able to see his vision and i'm glad that the fans have been able to see it but equally that (laughs) that money could have gone into so many smaller interesting independent movies how much did this film cost i wonder let's see 30 million i mean that's nothing compared to those kind of budgets that's that's nothing in comparison you think about how much goes into a marvel movie um you could easily make a smaller budget marvel film cut cut half an hour of the incomprehensible explosions at the end i think at least half of that went on the massive typewriter that emma thompson was typing on which all writers (laughs) is how all novels are written yeah yeah that that's how that's how everyone writes it's it's all typewriters Mag- magic typewriters as we've established that's that the, the only thing one. that we learned on our master's degree <laughs> page one was you need a big typewriter and then that was it and then the rest of the time was saving up for a big typewriter and then when you got one at the end of the year you got your grade and the grade was based entirely around um <laughs> around how big your typewriter was and how clackety 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 it was oh hello are you there I think, uh, can you hear me at the moment? Yeah, I can hear you now. Sorry, you were just coming and going a bit while you were talking about typewriters. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, right, let's, uh, I, I think maybe we better call it a day soon. Cause, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Have you, are you still um, recording? Yeah, I'm, I'm still recording. I'm still recording. Okay, well, let's just yeah. press on, see, see what we can get to. But, um, yeah, so what more do we need to say about this film? The music is really, really good. It's, um, a lot of it is tracks by the band Spoon, who I really like. Um, um, Britt Daniel, who's their singer, did some work on the score as well. Um, Dustin Hoffman, we've barely talked about him. He's the, the clever professor man who goes, instead of seeing a doctor, you go and see someone who knows about literature in this situation, which is a clever, funny little meta joke. And Dustin Hoffman is perfect in this role, don't you think? Yeah, he's he's the, he's the um, English lit professor we all want in our lives, isn't he? Um, he he's truly fantastic in this, um, and then you've got Queen Latifah as well, who's brilliant as the assistant, um, which is, which is really great. Yeah. So yeah, carry on. Dustin Hoffman. Yeah, Dustin Hoffman is great. He's the he's the um, English lit professor we all wish we had in our lives. Um, Queen Latifah is great as well um, in this movie. She's fantastic. Um, so yeah, all all the performances are really really good. It's a wonderfully cast movie. Yeah, you got Tom Holtz. He's in one scene as the um, the like work psychologist guy. He's great. Love he's, that guy. Yeah, he's brilliant as well. Yeah. Um. So yeah, it, it, it's great. It's 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 a uh, it's 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 pitch perfect, isn't it? Yes. In its in its casting. It is really really good casting. Great story. Great um, great concept. You know, it it's high concept, but I think it's it doesn't try to take it too far. You know, I think it's yeah, it's a really really good meta film that's also warm and fuzzy as well as being clever and the combination of those two things is is music to my ears yeah yeah 100 percent. it's uh it's really well done so I've, I've just got one little bit of trivia i wanted to share um which is that to in order to get the narrator to will ferrell stuff working well he actually wore an earpiece that fed him uh emma thompson's lines so uh. they didn't have to rely on you know timings or having it over tannoy or anything like that he could actually react 
in time to it which is which is very good that's really cool that totally makes sense yeah that's great um yeah so yeah really really well done um so um yeah how are we going to how are we going to rank this one let's see how how many pages does it take do you need how many pages do you need to write to finish the novel in which i'm gonna die so it, it took me a long time to to get to that point so it's a 19 pages for me wow that's 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 a lot of pages yeah but yeah i'll um i'll say the same 19 pages yeah and then i'll yeah, kill you no, off uh, <laughs> and, and you kill me um yeah it's it's uh it's wonderfully done isn't it yeah um, really really good film if you haven't seen it well worth your time and if you have i hope you enjoyed rewatching it again yeah yeah no it's uh, i'm i'm really glad we rewatched it and uh gonna have to watch it again soon yeah um, especially so if you like books yeah you nerds if you're especially if you're a nerd who likes books <laughs> exactly um so um so we're we're now going into swashbuckling september swash timber swash timber buckle timber um, so so to begin with um are we going to hit up the mask of zorro is that i think be that our... was the idea yeah. yeah yeah excellent which i think i've seen but not for a very long time i i watched this a few years ago i think um which yeah so uh, i'm but i'm excited to watch it again um it does feel like it's been too long so um yeah awesome looking forward to this one Good times, good times. And yeah, I can't believe it's September already, but it'll <laughs> still know. be August when you listen to this episode. Yeah, so, exactly. Yeah. So yeah, thanks a lot for listening. Uh, we really, really appreciate it. I hope you enjoy the show. Um, hope you enjoyed rewatching Stranger Than Fiction or watching it for the first time or not watching it and reading books instead, you nerds. <laughs> Absolute geeks. Yeah, and um, there's a link in our show notes to where you can give us money. It's just like a tip jar, no obligations, no subscriptions, nothing like that. If you like what we do, chuck us some coins. You can find us on Twitter at BigBoysDon'tPod, on emails BigBoysDon'tCryPodcast at gmail.com. And we'll be back next week to talk about The Mask of Zorro. Alrighty, bye-bye. Bye-bye.